Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. How are you doing? Have you had a nice weekend? Are you rested? Are you rested up? Are you ready for the week ahead? Thanks for joining me. My name is indeed Richie Allen. I'll be with you for the next couple of hours. Got a very good guest for you a little bit later on. Before that, it's me and you. Do drop me a line through the website richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, a couple of months ago, we heard from Celeste Solem. She's been on the program a few times. I really like her. She's an author and broadcaster and was great back in early January talking about the World Economic Forum what's been going on with that since the pandemic. We talked about the metaverse and how that'll be used to increasingly change people's perceptions of reality or perception of reality. We'll be getting into lots of different things with Celeste a little bit later on. And you can join in. I know I say it all the time, but it's important to remind you by leaving a comment on the comment live thing menu bar, richieallen.co.uk. It is Monday, March 7th. It's been a lovely day here in Salford. Beautiful, but a bit chilly mind. But it's still been good. Not so much of the washing, the mud and the muck off of the dogs lately. I can't tell you how how refreshing that is. I can't tell you. Dog owners will tell you this time of year. Once we move past it, it's great not to have to get back after the doggy walk and try and clean the little buggers. So yeah, it's all, it's all good today. Today it's all very good indeed. I am going to be reading your comments out as I go along. I really am. So leave them. Justin Trudeau is in town, the Canadian Prime Minister. You know him, your man, the little tyrant, who decided that he could, well, block people's bank accounts and arrest people for trying to support the Freedom Convoy. Remember him? Anyway, he's in town to stand side by side with Boris Johnson in solidarity against Russia. He also met the Queen, did Justin Trudeau. The monarch The monarch hosted him, the Canadian PM, for 35 minutes at Windsor Castle earlier on. They actually only spoke for five minutes. It took 30 minutes to remove Trudeau's tongue from Her Majesty's anus. You'll struggle to remove that image from your minds, eh? Eh? So you will? Yeah. More on Trudeau, or more more from Trudeau even, momentarily, him and Johnson. You know, I was thinking this morning, great minds think alike and fools seldom differ, that Russia is being shadow banned. Is it the first shadow banning of a country, is it? Is it? It might be. Can you deplatform a state, a nation state? Is it possible to do that, to deplatform a country? Why have I been musing on that? Well, McDonald's, Starbucks, Coca-Cola and Pepsi have all been urged to basically pull out of Russia. Like, <laughs> no, there, there are children listening. I was going to say like a cheap 
prostitute. I won't say pull out of Russia. Pull out. Get out as quick as you can. McDonald's, Starbucks, Coke, Pepsi and other multinational corporations. Do you think the Russians will survive without those four particular corporations? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. And I was reading over the weekend a list of the things that have happened in Russia. Like Google blocking apps. You know, blocking the apps of Russian companies. Apple doing the same. We've talked at length on this programme and on my website about how YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and even Telegram has banned the accounts of Russian people, various people and companies and stuff. That's not good, is it? We talked about RT. The network providers here in the UK uh, kicked RT into touch before the regulator, before the broadcast regulator, even got involved. And Twitter has begun to fact-check everything coming out of Russia and what we call shadow banning, reducing the reach of links posted by, by Russians, the demonetization. I mentioned YouTube already. So is it? It seems to be possible anyway to deplatform an entire country to silence a country. Yeah. Yeah, I looked into this, and as I was looking into it, I came across a post from the bloke behind Gab, the Gab platform, which is an alternative, I believe, to to Twitter and Facebook. And the Gab guy, Andrew Torba, he's been talking about this as well over the weekend. Are they shadow banning an entire country? It's very interesting because we've seen them do this to people who have opinions that are not popular or opinions that have been deemed harmful. You know, not so much J.K. Rowling or Rowling. They've tried to with her, but lots of other companies, they've managed to do it. And people, individuals, thank God I'm not a Smirnoff drinker because they might ban Smirnoff. Do you think they'll do that? Is Smirnoff Russian, is it? I think it is. Anyway, anywho. So food prices are absolutely crazy. Here's a little bit of personal information. I'm going to mention the supermarket because it, it, it bears mentioning. It's relevant. I walked into Tesco Salford on Friday morning. Now, it's a very, very, very big supermarket as far as they go. There's a very big Asda in Traff- Trafford Park, but the Tesco is very, very, very big. It's gargantuan. You can get lost in there, and not just in the laundry department. Happens to be the biggest laundry department in Europe. But you can get lost in there and uh, it's big. Anyway, so I go in there on Fridays sometimes. If I don't, I go online if I don't have the time. So I, I got a few things on Friday and I was taken aback when the lovely Shazza, that's her name and she even has Shazza on her badge, I said, that'll be £94 there, Richie. And I went, Jesus? Really? And I had a look again at what was in my, my little trolley. Not the big trolley now, not one of the trolleys that's got the seat for the babbies, but the little trolley. You know the little trolley? One step up from a basket. And uh, no, there's actually three trolleys, isn't there? There's the trolley that's actually a basket on wheels. Then there's the smaller trolley, then the big trolley, and then the absolutely massive trolley where you can fit the big fat baby. Yeah, okay. I had the one in the middle. Yeah, I'm making sense here, I am. So I had a look in to see what I had. 
And I had to pay, right? So I paid. And off I went down to the car park thinking, be Jesus. So what I did then was I went back and I had a look at the bank account because I very rarely, I'm very anal, I very rarely buy anything different or I very rarely buy more or less. It's usually the same stuff. I buy a little bit of supper for Friday. Um, I buy one or two... One or two things for herself, for her indoors. A couple of bits and bobs for the doggies, kind of a thing. And that's about it. 94. So I had a look at the bank account. And only a couple of months ago, that little shop on Friday was varying between £58 and £63. So that's pretty, that's a pretty massive increase, isn't it? Are you seeing that yourself let me know through the website. I mentioned Shazza there, lovely lady, approaching retirement, old school, great customer service, likes a chat, right? I said to her, it's quiet, Shazza, right? It's quiet. Uh, and it was quiet last week. She said it's, uh, it's much quieter, Richie. Um, so are people going to discount supermarkets? Are they going to food banks? I don't know. Let me know. And I've had a few emails from people, I want to say a few, four or five emails. Richie, you haven't talked about prepping in light of the massive increase in prices at supermarkets and, you know, shortage of oil to come, shortage of gas. You haven't talked about it, Richie. There isn't much I can say. I could invite somebody on, but I, I think they'd more than likely just kind of tell you to prep, you know. Yeah, you should prep. Get some canned goods in, maybe. Should you? Get some canned goods, some rice, some dried food. Now, I've not done any of that at all, should I? Am I being short-sighted here? Let me know. Are you prepping? I think we'll do a phone-in on this, this coming week. Best will in the world, of course, me saying, let's talk about this on the phone-in, and then you talk about something completely different. But we can talk prepping later on in the week. I've not done any prepping at all. My little shed is just full of rubbish because we don't have enough storage space or we don't have enough storage space built in the ass. In the ass, you see. So the shed is just full of shite. <laughs> it isn't full of soups and spaghettios and all of that old shite. So you tell me, are you prepping like the salivating dogs that you are? Are you? Are you getting ready for the apocalypse? Tell me. What we do know is this about food. I've written about this over the weekend on the website. And that is the production chain, the food production chain, is under pressure. And it was under pressure before the invasion of Ukraine by the Ruskies. It was under pressure anyway because of the scam demic. And a guy called Abdulriza Abbasian, say it right, Richie, Abdulriza Abbasian, that's the guy, he's a former head of agro-markets at the UN's Food and Agriculture Organisation. He has gone on the record, in fact, he told The Telegraph, he said, I've never seen anything like this in 30 years, and I fear that prices are going to go much higher in 2022-2023 than even now. The situation is just awful. And at some point, people are going to realise what may be coming. Then he goes on to say, we'll have to tighten our belts 
and the mood could get very nasty even in places like Britain where maybe people have felt immune from food shortages. You know, famine-like conditions. I shouldn't say famine-like conditions. Don't mean a weather event that makes growing difficult. But, you know, th the result of famine is just not enough food for everyone. So that's um, something I'm very interested in now. And I know that one or two more respected independent content creators over the years have been talking about food shortages. You'll mention, presumably you'll mention to me, the Ice Age Farmer, for example. Fair enough. Absolutely. David Icke has been writing about it for some years. But it was an interesting piece in The Telegraph about how one third of the world's barley exports comes from Russia and Ukraine. Imagine. 29% of wheat comes from Russia and Ukraine. 80% of sunflower oil comes from both of those countries. They happen to be in the middle of a bit of a conflict at the moment. Okay? Now, I wrote about this at the weekend. It wasn't the best... I mean, I'm not, I'm not a great writer anyway. It was, it was, I was kind of writing in bullet points. I wanted to make the point that if the United Kingdom, for example, of which I have experience because I've lived here for quite a few years now over two time periods, and of course I'm an Irishman. I am actually Irish. I'm not acting. I'm not pretending to be Irish. So we in the UK and Ireland... We have perfect conditions, perfect atmospheric conditions, weather conditions, and we have the perfect land, or lands are very fertile, to grow pretty much whatever it is we want to grow in terms of grains. Now, don't start shouting at me, grains are not great, Richie, autoimmune diseases. Yes, yes, I hear you. That can be, that, that can be dealt with, right? Just park it to one side for a moment. We could grow whatever we want to here and in Ireland. And I wrote about this on Friday or Saturday about how membership of the European Union kind of prohibited that and, and also membership of the common agricultural policy, which, which I mentioned in my little article, which is on richieallen.co.uk, was they set up the CAP and they said, listen, we'll set it up to ensure the stability and the viability of the food supply for the whole of Europe. But of course it's garbage, it's lies, it's bull spit. Whenever they say we're setting up something like the common agricultural policy, which every one of the 27 or 28, as it was then, which every one of the countries has to abide by, it's not for anybody's good. Of course it isn't. And I wrote about it how, in, you know, in reality, it was set up to decrease farming in Europe for a number of reasons, climate change being one of them, right? And they said to preserve rural areas and rural beauty spots and landscapes and all of that nonsense. Uh, the Common Agricultural Policy, a big mainstay of Agenda 2030, I believe this, this is my opinion, that it's meant ultimately to result, well... Not, not, the, not the common agricultural policy on its own, say, but as part of, part of a wider agenda to get people out of the countryside and away from the coasts and into smart cities or human settlement zones. There's absolutely no reason why here in the UK and in Ireland we couldn't grow enough food to feed everybody on these islands forevermore. And by doing that, 
giving sustainable jobs. I hate sustainable as a term also. Don't shout at me. Uh, sustainable jobs for maybe tens of thousands of people, maybe more. But it ain't going to happen. Because the old food shortages lead, leading to food rationing is something we've talked about for many years, even before the COVID scam. Again, with researchers and writers, like the aforementioned researchers and writers who've been talking about these things for many moons now. It's 16 and a half minutes past the hour. Now, I mentioned the Canadian PM, uh, Justin Trudeau, is in London. The Dutch PM, Mark Rutte, Rutte is here too. He's a bit of a gooseberry, though. Mark Rutte. Nobody in the media is too interested in him other than to ask him if he has a spliff on him. Uh, But it's really Trudeau and Johnson they want to hear from. Here's Boris Johnson speaking about the need to move away from Russian, Russian hydrocarbons. Now, this is very interesting because Euronews and others are reporting that countries might have to send folks down the pit. Back down the pit to mine the old coal uh, to keep the lights on, to keep the radiators warm. If we can't get gas from Russia and oil and whatnot. Here is UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson on that very point. And I think we're all increasingly united in the view that we've got to move away now uh, from Russian hydrocarbons. We've got to do it together. We've got to make sure that we have substitute uh, and, su- and substitute supply. And that's what we're, uh, we're working on as well. Uh, we will do everything that we can to ensure that we have uh, substitutes and substitute supplies. So uh, one of the things that we're looking at is the uh, possibility of, the, uh, of uh, using more of our own hydrocarbons. And you'll have heard already what uh, the business secretary has had to say about, about licenses uh, for, uh, for UK, uh, uh, UK's own domestic production. Uh, that doesn't mean that we are in any way abandoning our commitment to uh, reducing CO2. Uh, you, can, you can do that, but we've got to reflect the, uh, the reality uh, that uh, there is a crunch on at the moment. Uh, we need to intensify our, our self-reliance uh, as a transition uh, with more hydrocarbons. But what we also need to do is go for more nuclear and, uh, and much more uh, use of renewable energy. And I'm going to be setting out a an energy strategy, an energy supply strategy uh, for the country in the, in the days ahead uh, so that people have a sense of how we're going to uh, meet people's needs over the, 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 the short, medium and, and long term. Yeah, one of the journalists there should have had the courage to ask the buffoon that is Boris Johnson to stop kicking or banging the lectern plonker with six microphones attached to it. What an absolute arsewipe Johnson is. Anyway, that's the sort of thing that annoys me, you see, dear listener. Anywho, yes, right, renewables, new, uh, new, nuclear. George Bush could never say it. Nuclear. Nuclear. And fracking is coming back into the conversation. Now, while I know, and you know, that global warming is the greatest hoax in human history. And it's an agenda. It's part of the enslavement. It's part of the, basically, you know, utterly transform the way we live. You know, super surveillance society, smart homes, social crediting. We know that climate change is bollocks. We know this. However, 
I am 100% with the Greens when it comes to fracking. I looked into it. We used to talk about it regularly on the Richie Allen Show several years ago, especially up here because it was a big deal up here in the northwest of coast, of course even in the north, fracking licenses and, and tremors and earthquakes and all of that. So, talked a lot about it back then. We don't talk about it so much now. But I'm with the Greens on it. Fracking is lunacy. Fracking is about poisoning the earth, poisoning water supplies, making land that was previously as fertile as the imagination of Enid Blyton, uh, infertile and useless. Fracking makes the land useless. The only things you can grow on it then, you, Monsanto seeds, the Monsatan seeds, the, the seeds that can thrive where soil is affected by abiotic stress. Now, I believe this to be true. So fracking is a deadly thing, but all of a sudden now it's back in the conversation again. We should keep that in mind. Hey, listen, at the end of Johnson's answer, he wanted to move on, but Justin Trudeau, well, he wanted to say something as well. Marieka, sorry, Justin. Sorry. It's all good. Um, it's all good, said Justin. What we learned over the past couple of years is that global challenges... Uh, this dickhead is banging the lectern as well. Uh, ...have impacts domestically. Uh, COVID crisis was a perfect example of disrupted supply chains that uh, led to significant inflation challenges around the world. Uh, we made a promise to Canadians that we'd have people's backs, and that's exactly what we've been focused on. Uh, in reality what they've done in Canada is break people's backs, not, not have their backs. The challenge right now of Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine is having ripple effects around the world, not just uh, in energy prices for Canadians and for people in Europe, but for people in the global south as well. Disruption of the UN food program, disruptions uh, that are happening that we are going to have to adjust to and we are going to have to make sure we are there for each other. Uh, and that is the focus that we have uh, as partners. But uh, it's why we've all been reaching out around the world to talk uh, with fellow leaders about the challenges they're facing, the challenges their people are facing. Because what we are learning about Russia's unreliability as a trading partner needs to be remembered. But we also have to work together to provide substitutes, to provide alternatives. Substitutes and alternatives. And one of those things is going to be synthetic meat, I believe. And that fills me with dread and horror. I'm well aware that a lot of people who listen to this programme are vegan. And I, I'm very grateful for your tolerance because you know that I'm not vegan, but you tolerate me anyway, which is good. Vegans are often accused of being very intolerant, but that's not been my experience with meeting vegan people. The ones I've met through the show have been very tolerant of, of me not being vegan. Anyway, you, you understand where I'm coming from. Some vegan people might be like, oh yeah, great, synthetic meat, but oh dear God, no. And I don't have time to get into why, but that has come up on the programme before. Yes, yeah, synthetic meat... You know, solutions and alternatives. Yeah, food. We can't get food so much anymore. We can't grow food the way we used to. Well, the biotech companies will have the answers. Use our crops, our genetically engineered ones. They'll grow more. And, uh, and, and eat our synthetic meat while you're at it. Yes, 
All coming, all coming, all coming. Absolute amount. Don't think Trudeau had anything else to say, did Alternatives. he? And of course, we need uh, to move uh, forward to decarbonizing our economies, but we need to do that in a way that supports people through that process, and we're going to continue doing that. Decarbonize our economy and do it in a way that supports people through that process. Universal basic income. Anyone. Possibly. Possibly. You have been sending me your comments in your drums. I'm going to read some now. It's Monday's Richie Allen Show. It's live from Super Salford. Bad day for Salford yesterday. Our rugby league team went to Huddersfield and got a bit of a tonking, the Salford Red Devils. And the Red Devils of Manchester United went to Manchester City and got a bit of a tonking as well. So it's been a a lot better weekend. In fact, I enjoyed the weekend. Apart from the sport, but what are you going to do? It'll, be, uh, it'll, it'll all be okay next weekend when the mighty Ireland beat England at Twickenham. Second leg of the Triple Crown. I'm keeping that thought. I'm holding on to my happy thought. Kean says that Trudeau himself should be decarbonised. Cookie says, I never got vegans who eat the fake meat food. Awful stuff. God knows what's in it. Well, you've just got to look at the ingredients on the packet, Cookie. But I hear you. Al says, I wouldn't consider myself to be a prepper, but over the last few months, I've been building up a stock of canned food, pasta and rice, just buying a few extra bits and pieces whenever I do go shopping. I've probably got enough now to last me a month or so if things go pear-shaped. Well, Al, a month is more than I have. I was almost tempted to laugh at the for a month <laughs> because I know Scottish Al has a sense of humour. And then I thought, but you've not got enough for 20 minutes, Richie. Okay. Note to self. Get loads of powdered food and dried food. John says, I've been food prepping for the last two years. I keep vagrants in the cellar. <laughs> Good man. John's a cannibal. I suppose when, when times are tough, you know. Paul says, I'm no genius, but the UK needs its own nuclear power stations. We should be selling energy, not importing it. Why are we paying all the money to uh, EDF, etc.? Absolute madness. Get the nuclear power stations built. Cheers, says Paul. Thank you, Paul. Christopher is in Sweden. He's got two lockers at work. He sent a picture there of stuff, of food and stuff. Good man, Christopher. Brambo says, yes, this is the right time to begin to be laying down stocks of long-life foods. Hurricane lamps, candles, loo rolls. Uh, we can survive without the roo... No, we can't. We can't survive without loo rolls. We can't. No, I can't imagine it. God, no. No, no, no. No. Oh, God, no. When I lived in Ballybeg in Waterford, we were often in the proximity of travellers. The travelling uh, community. People who live a nomadic lifestyle living in caravans. And remember Guy Ritchie's movie Snatch with Jason Statham and with Brad Pitt. Remember that scene where Brad Pitt has a bit of a poo and then just pulls up his trousers. I've seen travellers do that and been aghast. Been aghast. Because I'm a bit of an OCD person. I've got the old obsessive compulsive disorder. I find dirt disgusting. I do, honestly. I get all freaked out by things. Um, 
That's why I said maybe we could do it without the loo rolls. Well, some people could, but but not for me. Paraffin too is reasonably cheap, says Bramble. Julie says, Richie, evening, love the show. It makes my week more bearable. Thanks, Julie. Yes, I've noticed a big price increase at Tesco, spending less now in Aldi. I'm saving about 25 to 30 quid a week in Aldi, says Julie. I won't be shopping at Tesco for the big shop anymore. For the big shop. I know that Julie is from Blighty. I love these terms. Love the lexicon of, of, of different places in the world. I love it. The big shop. Love that. My favourite, I, 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 to this day, when we first moved to Manchester, El Frogo and myself back in late 2003, I was tickled pink by next door but one. Where we would say two doors away in Ireland because we're obviously far more intelligent than our English brethren and sister. And we are obviously far more intelligent than the Brits. And we would say two doors away, next door but one. They say over here, those loonies. Hi, Joanna Bello says she's been prepping from the beginning of the scandemic. Has got 13 months worth of food. 18 months, Annabelle. So far, you're holding. You're in the lead. Annabelle's in the lead. It's all over the Annabelles. If the apocalypse comes knocking, comes a knocking. I've got 18 months worth of food. I was told off for taking a picture of my stockpiling and putting it online. Exactly, Annabelle. If people are hungry and if they know that I have food, you better believe they will throw me out of the way and help themselves to my food. Yes, they will, Annabelle. They will. And I'll be at the front of the queue. Here's Cher. From the album... Heart of Stone, the title track, Heart of Stone, on the Richie Allen Show. It's 27 minutes to 6 o'clock, Monday's programme, the 7th of March, the 7th, it's the 7th of March, 2022, spring is here, thanks be to Jesus. Joan is in Ontario, we know Joan, we like Joan, Joan's alright, she's alright Joan. She says, Richie, grocery prices here in Ontario are ridiculous too, I've been prepping for a year or more. I'm happy to tell you what I have. If you're interested, I just placed an order for more stuff and it is on back order. So I think things are going to get tough, says Joan. My great friend, Jean-Anne Crowley, my confidant. Jean-Anne has been doing a bit of prepping as well herself. Hope I'm not overstepping the mark there by mentioning that, but she's been, you know, keeping an eye on the prepping. Kay is in the Netherlands. I will move on quickly now. Thanks for all of these messages. I can't read them all out, but I'll move on quickly. Kay says, in the Netherlands, I've noticed price increases in food over here too. I shop mostly at local food markets. Chicken has risen by 200% in the last few months, says Kay. Wow, Kay. And we always thought, didn't we, when times were tough, we've all had tough times over the years. We've all had times when we've not had very much money. But chicken was always fairly affordable, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wow. Sue also shopped at Tesco for the first time in years the other day. Usually goes to Morrison's. Spends around 40 quid. But as I was passing, popped into Tesco for a few bits. The trolley was over 60 quid. Not even any alcohol in there. No wine, says Sue. Cliff Moore, and then I'm moving on. A tilde rice, 10 kilos in Tesco, 26 quid. At an independent local Asian food shop yesterday, eighteen ninety nine. Tell you what, Cliff, that's a big difference. Seven quid. 
And that was an expensive Asian chop, says Cliff. 11 kilos of basmati rice, fifteen ninety nine. Good value is still to be had, but you need to shop around. And then he goes on to say, Myler bags plus oxygen removers equals years upon years of preservation. Get it soon, get it in soon, avoid the panic, and the price increases. Cheapers, I've opened a can of worms. And I don't know and never have done fear porn, never done that crap that you get from other independent content providers. I want to be scaring people. I don't like that. You know, Hellfire and Brimstone and End of the World, which a lot of people have been doing for years. But this this is serious now, isn't it? Got to be talking about stuff like that. It is time to talk about um, something related. Let's do that. The propaganda. Self-awareness has gone out the window. Presenters and reporters not being aware of how ridiculous they sound. And look, I've said to me better half more than once over the years. My biggest fear... And this is funny because you might say, this is ironic, because you might think I'm an Egypt. But I don't think I am an Egypt. I'm not perfect. I'm I'm all right, like, but I'm not an Egypt. My biggest fear is being ridiculous and not being aware of being ridiculous. Being like David Brent, Ricky Gervais's great character, and not being aware of it. But I might be, you see, and you might be saying, well, you are. Anyway... Uh, presenters and reporters not being aware of how absolutely ridiculous they are. Case in point. <laughs> Case in point, the, the wonderful Ginger Ninja, Kay Burley on Sky this morning. Fabulous. So good. <laughs> yes, that's Kay. Listen to Kay this morning. Listen to Kay. Now, how about this um, heartwarming moment this has lifted our spirits today this has lifted our spirits today it's a young girl in a bunker Simon, it's a no from me. Louis, it's a no from me too, I'm afraid. Piers, it's a no from me too. Kay's producer was telling her, Kay, you can talk any time you like. Amy, my director's saying you can um, talk whenever you want. You want to listen to that little girl, don't you? You don't want to hear what I've got to say. If you want to listen to the full version, her mum sort of, she's very shy, and her mum uh, convinces her to stand up um, to start with in front. And then you see the camera pan around and you see all of the people in Ukraine trapped in this bomb shelter. And this little one very shyly stands up and sings the Ukrainian version um, from Frozen. Um, and she was amazing, wasn't she? Absolutely amazing. Also still to come. Uh, <laughs> also still to come. You got over that quickly, Kay. The pathos. The pathos. Anyway, yeah, little girl sings a Frozen song in the bunker. And it went viral. Presenters couldn't resist it today. It's proper Brent-esque stuff. Did you catch that? Um, how many people were in that bunker, Kay? You see the camera pan around and you see all of the people in Ukraine trapped in this bomb shelter. All of the people in Ukraine 
trapped in the bomb shelter. Let's hope nobody tells Vladimir Putin, AK. Hey, speaking of Vladimir Putin, Andrew Marr was on Good Morning Britain this morning. Andrew recently left the BBC. Andrew is the presenter who used to present the Marr show. You might remember he had a stroke some years back and lost the use of his left arm. I don't find that funny. I'm not saying that to be rude to Marr, just, just in case you don't remember him. And he left the BBC because he wanted to be able to express a point of view, something he was allegedly prohibited from doing while he was working for the BBC. Marr has taken a job with LBC Radio, home of James O'Brien, our soul on steroids, right? Here's Andrew Marr this morning on the Good Morning Britain, Susanna Reid, one of the presenters with the question for him. It, we've just discussed, and Richard put it to the government minister this morning, that allegation from another cabinet colleague that Putin's gone full tonto. I mean, full tonto. I mean, it, perhaps he was capable of this back then. He's been capable of some pretty atrocious activity. What do you make of his state of mind, Andrew? What do you make of his state of mind, Andrew? Andrew Marr. Well, over the last 50 years, we have faced as a country... Um, frankly, deranged foreign leaders or people whose mental stability we were unsure about. And we've faced nuclear threats. What we haven't faced before is the two things coming together at once. And that's why this is such a dangerous moment for us and for the world. Do you think that he's quite cynically hiding behind the nuclear umbrella? This is, this is Richard Medley, who inspired the, the character Alan Partridge. He know, I mean, if nuclear weapons didn't exist, there's probably little doubt that NATO would have, would have gone in with both boots on and... With both boots on. ...kicked him out of Ukraine. And we have the capability to do that with conventional weaponry uh, and with our troops. But uh, because the bomb does exist, he's, he's basically hiding behind it, isn't he? He's hiding behind the bomb, is he? Exactly so, Richard. I think the concern here is that he hasn't got many other places to go. I think the economic stranglehold on the Russian economy is brutal and from all, by all accounts, highly effective. Um, he's going to find it very, very hard to keep his country running. They're running out of money. Running out of money and so on, so on, so on, so on, so on. Richard Medley went on to interview Gordon Brown. Remember him? Former Chancellor of the Exchequer. Then, very briefly, Prime Minister after Tony Blair eventually pissed off. Uh, but he was defeated pretty quickly in an election to a... Who, who, who came after Brown? Oh yeah, it was David Cameron, coalition government, of course, the Conservative Lib Dem coalition. Anyway, um, Maidley interviewed Gordon Brown. Gordon Brown wants to set up a tribunal to try Vladimir Putin for war crimes. You hear that, Tom? No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears. Yeah, I can't either. He Gordon Brown wants to set up a Nuremberg-style tribunal to try... Vladimir Putin for war crimes. And he turned on the waterworks, did Gordon Brown, and talked about babies and 18-month-old babies who were killed by the Russians. I've seen this morning in the newspapers an 18-month-old child, Kirill, being taken to a hospital and dying, an innocent child, the victim of Putin's uh, crimes. I've seen these pictures uh, of people trying to get into Kiev, leaving their home, and three, a mother, a teenager, and an eight-year-old daughter being killed. These are crimes that are being committed by Putin's uh, troops. Uh, we've got the nuclear blackmail that's been involved. We've got the breach of the ceasefire. We've got the humanitarian corridors that are being closed when they should be open and promised to be open. All these things add up to not only war crimes, 
But what is the initial crime? And that's what we can try in a tribunal, a crime of aggression. The crime of invading Ukraine and continuing to be in Ukraine illegally, and he should be brought to trial, and so should his co-conspirators. And that is something that we should aim for. Humanitarian aid, yes, help him militarily for Ukraine. But we've got to send out a message to give morale to the Ukrainian people that we're taking action, but also they will be aware that they face penalties at the end of this Now, war. dear listener, did Richard Madley go on to annihilate Gordon Brown? Did he rip him to shreds? Are you, with your silly jaw and your speech impediment, are you going to stand there and talk about pursuing people through international tribunals? for aggressively, illegally invading countries. You're not on my television programme saying that really, are you? What did Richard Madeley say? Did they take him apart? Um, obviously, the prima facie case against Putin is overwhelming. And oh, Jesus. Were he be to, to drag him to court, he would be found guilty. There's no question about that. Oh, God. What should happen to him? What should happen to him? Journalism. R.I.P. Well, I think the punishments that have been meted out by the International Criminal Court are, are life and Im imprisonment, and that's the most uh, like likely thing. But I think the message is more important, that he should know that he is being held accountable, that every action he has taken is being monitored. We are not going to let him off the hook. Russia has become a pariah state as a result of his actions. And while we've got no complaint against the Russian people, uh, President Putin has got to be brought to justice. At some point, he will have to be removed. He will have to be removed, says Gordon Brown. UK, a former UK Prime Minister speaking to Good Morning Britain this morning. It is exactly quarter to six o'clock. The Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, March 7th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Going to read more of your comments now. Hi to Daza, who says, Richie, please... Can you tell my wonderful wife, Linda, that I love her loads, even though I've binned her tonight, binned her tonight, to watch Huddersfield Town give Forrest a shoeing. I'm currently shoving sushi and sake down my neck because I'm dead posh, says Daza. Thank you, Daza. Natalie Stacy, How are you, Natalie? Lovely to hear from you. Now is the time to get your seeds and grow, she says. It's the fresh stuff that's going up more than other things. So fresh food is going up in price more than other things, says Natalie. Go local too with your meat way cheaper than supermarkets, says Natalie. Thanks, Natalie. I certainly did open an old can by mentioning the prepping, didn't I? We'll have to get into it on the phone in, I think. No doubt about that. Sarah says prepping isn't just food. The first commodity we need is water and the ability to store and clean it with filters and storage. We've got 8,000 litres, says Sarah. Jesus. Also, grow food, she says. Thank you, Sarah. Caroline says it's Trudeau over here to get a knighthood. They seem to be giving them out like smarties, says Caroline. I don't know. I don't think he was knighted today when he went to Windsor Castle. Something else about Windsor Castle in the news that isn't relevant. Just my mind. What did I read? Oh yeah, that she won't ever spend any more time in Buckingham Palace. Uh, the old reptile. I jest, I jest, I jest. I don't know what she is. But she won't be in Buckingham Palace anymore because they're renovating the bejesus out of it. And it's going to take about five years. And she's, she's not expected to be around in five years. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> adrenochrome, adrenochrome. Lovely. Out to Shambhala, who says, I've been making room, making room for Bill Gates' Silent Green. Thank you for that. Elizabeth says, we are nine meals away from anarchy. So it's all going according to the dystopian plan. Bruce says, for the preppers, especially those in towns and cities, you better arm yourselves too, because if it goes tits up, says Bruce, people will find out and your stash and you will part company. So if you are prepping, says Bruce, and you've got a basement full of Campbell's soup and rice and pasta, you better get a gun too, because people might come and try and steal your stash. Yes, not the first person to say that today. Rob says he's got a small amount stored away, probably about a month worth of food and sustenance. So it's mainly so that we can avoid the shop straight away because, you know, as soon as the TV tells the sheep that things are running low, they'll go and empty the shelves. Who can forget the very beginning of the scam? I about got thrown out of the aforementioned Tesco. It's only because my face not was well known. Nobody knows me or, or knows who I am, but they would have seen me quite a lot around the checkout area, being a local in that. That's why I didn't get thrown out, because when I went in, round about, you know, the day after they announced this lockdown in March 2020, I bore witness, I saw them running around with trolleys full of loo rolls, and I started making the sheep noises really loud, and I started having a go at people, I had a bit of a meltdown, so I did, and uh, somebody said to me, listen, Listen, calm yourself, man, before security throws you out. Yeah, I remember it. I remember it well. Fab says, Mum was in a local Little or Lytle over the weekend. She claims it was full of Ukrainians looking and sounding, looking and sounding people with towering trolleys of food, etc. I think you need to type that again, Fab. Do us a favour, by the way. When you do type your comments to me, do give them a quick glance over, a quick a quick once over to, 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 you know, to ensure that I'll be able to read them out. Please do that. It'll make it easier for me. Why not make it easier for me, eh? Why not make it easier for me, I said. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Time for a tune. Kelly Marie feels like I'm in love. Seven minutes, six and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Now, Celeste Solom will be on the programme right soon. She's uh, really, really, really good. You don't want to miss her, terrific lady. Uh, just to finish then with the old news roundup, if such as it was, <laughs> news roundup. Talked a lot about prepping, didn't we? I'll ask Celeste that when we, when we get chatting. Very bright lady. Once worked for FEMA would you believe? I'll ask her that. Have you done any prepping at all? And then we'll talk about um, uh, what she believes is the, is an electromagnetic frequency hot war going on right now, which has been kind of alluded to in the legacy media with the Havana syndrome and all of that. So we'll get into that with with uh, Celeste really soon. It's Monday's programme. Thanks for listening to it. Thanks for finding me again. But um, let's have a laugh for a moment or, or, or a gasp of exasperation. Been talking a lot today about Ukrainian people 
who have been displaced as a result of the Russian invasion. I don't find that funny. Of course, people have been displaced. That's what happens. That's what's meant to happen, isn't it? In these crises, which are managed and planned. So there's a big row in the UK here, political row, about how, how many Ukrainian refugees should come into the country. Now, a couple of thousand, or 13,000 apparently, have applied to come into the UK, but only 50 visas have been granted thus far. And the political talking heads in the media and politicians were screaming at one another all day long about this. Now, LBC's James O'Brien wants all the refugees to come over. There are claims today that two million Ukrainians have now left the country. Do you believe that? Is it possible? It might very well be. I don't know. Well, Jimmy O'Brien wants them all to come over and wait for it. I love this because everything can be blamed on Brexit. Everything can be traced back to Brexit. So Jimmy wants all the refugees in the country and he says the fact that they cannot come here is down to Brexit and it's all your fault. The trauma, even for people that end up in safe havens, of being turned away from your first destination, even temporarily, the trauma, the misery, the heartbreak, the torture that these people are enduring, we are now adding to. And I know this is horrible for you. And to be honest, if things were the other way around, I'd probably put on some music and stop listening to this get on the radio. <laughs> some semblance of self-awareness then from James O'Brien. Put some music on, stop listening to this get on the radio. Do I hear touche, Baldy? Well, fair enough. It's your fault. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. He's like a guy with Tourette's, isn't he? But you voted to do this. I don't blame you. You know my mantra, contempt for the con men, compassion for the cond. But contempt for the con men, compassion for the cond. That's Jimmy O'Brien's mantra. I blame you. You know my mantra, contempt for the con men, compassion for the cond. But you voted to do this. Did we? Really? Did we vote to do this? You deliberately and consciously voted to make it almost impossible. We deliberately and consciously voted to make it impossible to do what now? For people truly fleeing war to get into this country. No, we didn't. Because you swallowed all the lies. No, we didn't. About economic migrants. And you swallowed all what the... What lies about economic migrants? This is what's happened to discourse in the country, particularly discourse as you would have it through, through the media. I said it to you years ago. I said, what was in America would come here? Commentary. Commentary. Uh, basically presenters. Hosts. Telling you the way it is. Gaslighting you with basically no opportunity to challenge any of that hyperbole. O'Brien is a poor man's Keith Olbermann. Remember him? Remember Olbermann used to do, to do this very thing? And of course, Jimmy O'Brien is that stupid that he doesn't realise that the internet exists. We can see clips of Keith Olbermann on CNN doing what O'Brien does now. O'Brien is just, uh, uh, I know he said an imitator. He's an imitant. <laughs> he's an imitator. It's all he is. He's a copycat. He's just a poor man's Olbermann gaslighting the audience. Your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault because you believed all the lies about economic migrants. You believed Nigel Farage. You believed Boris Johnson. 
And because you did, now we've got some desperate people who really need to come here and they can't because of you, you bigot. Of course, that's bollocks. You know that and I know that. The lies about threats and, and, and teeth and carbon dating. And the problem is that once you got your Brexit, there was no excuse anymore for having these sort of policies regarding refugees and asylum seekers. Because you'd abolished freedom of movement. The people that were coming here from measurably poorer countries to do hard jobs that many British people didn't want to do. Ah, that old bollocks again. Uh, you know, we, we had these people come into the country to do jobs that either British people didn't want to do or were too lazy to do. No, you're talking about zero hours contract jobs. You're talking about jobs basically tantamount to slave labour. Jobs that didn't provide the means to keep a roof over your head and clothes on your back. Those are the jobs he's talking about. That were willingly taken up by people from other parts of Europe because that outcome, that outlook was a damn sight better than the one they had in their own country. People that were happy to come and share accommodation with one, two, three families all to get registered on the NHS and to take those very jobs. It's far more complex than Jimmy O'Brien would have you believe. But it's, it's just bullshit, isn't it, anymore? That's why we've got shortages everywhere from the NHS to the haulage industry. So that worked. You got that. We have shortages now in the NHS and the haulage industry because migrants can't come here and work. But we've had shortages for years in the NHS because the country grew every year by a city the size of Cardiff. And while that was happening, that's net migration. While that was going on, dear listener, they were closing hospitals and reducing existing hospital capacity. Again, James O'Brien knows this, but he's a liar, O'Brien. He's a dangerous liar. Probably psychotic. Definitely sociopathic. Definitely. We'll just lie pathologically on the air. Um, and we'll never be challenged. This is the thing, you see. We'll never be in a position where someone else can say, but that is patent bollocks, that. Let me show you how. That's the media in the 21st century. And as I said, he's a poor man's Keith Olbermann. Olbermann used to do this for years on CNN, where, where, where James O'Brien bitches about Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage. Olbermann would spend hours and hours and hours bitching about Fox News presenter Bill O'Reilly, one of the worst human beings that ever lived, admittedly. Maybe not the worst, but he was bad. Um, and it's all circular. What goes around comes around. What was there is now over here. And nobody's challenging it. That's the way it is. You have politicians on the air now. Anyway, I'm running out of time. I'm supposed to be speaking with Celeste Solom. Thank you for your messages. Keep them coming in richieallen.co.uk. You are with uh, Monday's Richie Allen Show. Just to give you a quick heads up, some really interesting people coming back on the show and new people coming on the show uh, this week. Stacey Rudin will be with me tomorrow. We will definitely be doing a phone-in this week as well. Uh, probably Wednesday. I believe that with me. And I would really like to get into the prepping. I really, really would like to get into uh, the prepping on Wednesday. What are you doing? What can you do? Uh, how useful will it be? Why is it so important? We'll get into some of that on the programme this week. 
Okay, here's Diana Ross when we come back. Celeste Solom on Monday's Richie Allen Show. Three minutes past six it is. Diana Ross on your Richie Allen show. Welcome back to it. Jean Ann tells me that if we do the phone in on prepping later this week, I'll be amazed at the response. I've been amazed at the response on the website. I've, I've counted 40 or 50 comments from listeners so far on prepping. We'll get back to it. Let's welcome back to the programme. Terrific uh, lady, terrific author and broadcaster. You'll find her on on YouTube. She has a brilliant channel there. She once worked for the Federal Emergency Management Agency in the United States. A really, really, really shrewd researcher. Um, Let's welcome her back. Let's say hello to our friend Celeste Solem. How are you doing, Celeste? Are you well? I'm doing great. I'm so looking forward to talking about the the EMF hot war that you've been looking into and we'll get straight into that and we've got till the end of the programme huge interest in it but um, in the first hour of the programme the topic of prepping just came out of nowhere can I ask you is that something that you consider you know you or your family prepping for an inevitable you know difficult time when it comes to food and water and other things that you might need. Do do, do you consider stuff like that, Celeste? Absolutely. So my dad sat me on his lap at five years old. He worked for Naval Warfare. And he said, this whole thing that we're seeing right now is going to happen on your watch. So I took, because of the people that, that came to our home, I knew he was telling the truth. So throughout my life, I just acquired skills and different things that I would need for this season. And that's how I can help everybody else because I got my house in order. Of course, you know, that's ongoing. But yes, I'm the master prepper. I do everything from make my own bread to grow my own food, take care of the animals, uh, uh, just about do everything myself. Fantastic. That that might very well be I mean, we're going to talk about this on a, on, a, on a show coming up later on in the week. It sounds like this is beyond important, that people really need to pay attention to that and to, to teach themselves basic things like growing vegetables, you know, maybe keeping chickens or, or things that they would never have considered before. Maybe people need to think about now. Right. So a lot of what I do, sorry, I'm a little bit froggy today. Um, What a a lot of what I do is DIY videos like how do I can, how do I start seeds, how do I garden, how do I do indoor gardening, how do I make bread, um, how how to substitute. Let's say we're in a depression situation and you need to substitute Uh, You don't have eggs, for instance. Can you still make that cake that you wanted to make? So I have a section and a video on how to just how to do that. So I have a lot of resources at uh, celestialreport.com and shepherdsheart.life for people that are preppers. Fantastic. Really good. I hope listeners are making a note of those websites. Before we finish today, and we've got plenty to talk about before then, I might ask you to mention those websites again. Thanks for that, Celeste. Really interesting stuff and really important. Um, I've been fascinated over the last couple of years to see the BBC talk openly about Havana Syndrome and things like that, you know, men and women, diplomats, people working overseas, saying that they felt that they were coming under some sort of attack from 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 some 
weaponry and that, you know, it was EMF related. You're all over this. This is right up your street. You've been researching this for many, many years. And you've been really interested too, haven't you, to see little mentions here and there in the old media, the legacy media. Tell us more. So basically, this all started around World War II. But then in the 60s, there was great interest in it. Of course, I really think it started before that. Um, in it, Listeners can look up the Air Force dosimetry uh, handbook, and that is the handbook of what frequency can do to the body. And in the older one, like 1984-ish or before that, uh, you could actually see the frequency in that in the in the document that would impact a heart or kidneys or cells or the brain or whatever whatever you wanted to do. They actually in the old days would put that information out, um, and then they kept building on that information. It was old, uh, but they are actually using it for this hot war that's going on now. The hot war actually started. In about 2014, um, they knew this was coming. Um, they wanted to do an, a global experiment on every single person in the world uh, with frequency. And so they would do little drop, little beta tests. You know, by that time, they really did have quite a bit of information on it. And if you go to shepherdsheart.life, I have, uh, it's called uh, Whack-A-Mole or Whack-A-Brain, actually. Um, sorry about that. And I have five modules, both video and the actual transcript of a uh, conference um, that I listened to that is just cutting edge. It was is just like six or seven weeks old, uh, right? You know, not very old at all. So in 2016 was the Havana incident. So that kicked off targeted... Um, direct energy weapons to officials. Um, this is not going to be um, just Americans. Also, a in the conference, or let's see, yeah, in the conference, I believe, it was a North Korean diplomat was not in his country and he was killed. I do believe a seven-year-old girl has been killed recently. And then the weaponry that we saw coming out of Canberra is actually very old uh, direct energy weapons. Um, Tell us about that now. Talk about the weaponry used at the anti-lockdown protests, anti-vax mandate protests. This is fascinating that it isn't modern stuff, no. that it's, it actually goes back. Tell us a bit more about that. So the first time that I actually saw it in play was at the World Trade Organi uh, the World Trade uh, protest in Seattle in 1999. So you see, those things are very big, clumsy. You know, they're about the size of your laptop, maybe bigger, and they just aim it at you and they can do a variety of different things. Like, you know, may, uh, we heard about it during the Iraq war when the soldiers went and they said that their skin was burning or it could be terrible sound. Um, and it is used to control the masses. And so it's not surprising at this time when the leader running scared that they would deploy such a uh, global experiment, if you will. They can use a variety of different um, uh, technologies. 
they but it's all very small at this point in the old days like that what they showed that was coming out of canberra if you saw the military or police i'm not sure who was ex- actually using it it was a distant shot um that's actually the old technology today i mean it could be the size of a piece of dust no um, way. or or a little bit um the devices that were talked about heavily in this a conference were a anti-parasite um, device about the size of your smoke detector. And what everybody's house will have to have is one of these devices because they've unleashed some genetically modified uh, parasites that originated in the bowels of DARPA. Uh, so, Uh, they're going to say that everybody has to have it. And we're all conditioned to have a smoke detector and we think think it's safe, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So you think they will, at some time, they will say, listen, there's a parasite and it's dangerous and it it could be catastrophic for you. So we recommend, because they, they, they might not need to mandate that you know if you tell somebody it's a dangerous parasite I mean it's disgusting isn't it the first thing you think is oh my god we don't like parasites so they might recommend a device like this and people might say yes please I'll have one and and of course because they it's going to be um pesticide free and of course we're all for we are all for pesticide free none of us like pesticides we don't like the pests but we don't really like the pesticides either so but what a lot of people don't know is we've been conditioned with our smoke detectors our smoke detectors each smoke detector in the world carries two radioactive materials in it and every day it is pumping out uh, radioactivity into your house. One is one is named Americanium, and the other one is called Californium. Now, fast forward to this device, which would be, um, it could be a combination of things. It could be, ultra, right now, they're ultrasonic with pulse EMF, um, but they could use a variety of up to five different technologies. And yes, they can be hacked by the powers that be, so you have this device in your home and all of a sudden you are become a victim of the direct energy weapons. And this is the smart kind of house world they want us to live in in the future, where everything is connected, your microwave oven, God forbid, with your fridge freezer, with your television, Celeste, it's all hooked up. Can I take you back to the old fashioned smoke detector? You've really mm-hmm. knocked me for six now, as they say here in England. I didn't realize that the that the standard smoke detector has some components that are emitting some radioactivity. That has absolutely blown me away. And you're sure of this. I've got to ask you this. Yes. You're sure of yes, it. Yes, yeah? I actually did. Um, I don't know if it's still on my blog because my blog gets hacked frequently. You know, that's what happens to those of us on the front line. Yeah. And so you never know what's really there or not. But you can look up smoke detector and Americanium and Californium, and you will see with your own eyes, not in Celeste's words, uh, that it is in fact the truth. Celeste Solem is our guest. You can find her obviously on YouTube. You won't find any other Celeste Solem there, so find her there. And shepherdsheart.life. Um, what was the other website again? Remind us, Celeste. It's Celestial Report, but guess what? I have a new one that everybody's going to love. It's Rumble. 
So I have a new Rumble account, and how you find me is Celestolum, one word, C-E-L-E-S-T-E-S-O-L-U-M, one word, and you'll come right to my new newest, latest and greatest. It does have this um, this webinar series. And um, as always, uh, if you have a question about my material, you're welcome to um, write me and you know, when I have time, I will respond. And that's at Celeste at CelestialReport.com. You've done really well over the years when you've made presentations to link to supporting evidence, which is hugely important because it's obviously my job to say, where's your evidence, Celeste? But you've done really well over the years. And when there isn't any evidence and it's based on individual testimony, you're very good to point that out as well. It's good journalism. I like that, you know, because it makes my job a bit easier. You're listening to Celeste Solem. Now, um, to go back to the protests, I had a question for you. Do you think they wanted eagle-eyed researchers like yourself to notice these energy weapons at the protests in Canada and in Canberra. Because whatever these people are, and we've many choice names for them we probably can't say on live radio, but uh, they're not stupid. So do they want us to be aware on some level of these weapons? So what happened is, of course, in 2016, we would all hear vague references to the Havana Syndrome but we were not given any details. We knew it involved some American diplomats. We weren't really told about the Chinese. And there are actually other incidents as well. Um, but in September of last year, uh, Dr. James Giordano um, did his first Break the Silence. And so I was right on it. And um, so that had consequences on September 30th for me. Um, but then this was the second thing. And so when I saw it six weeks ago, um, I knew that this was hot, this hot war direct energy weapons was operational. They had given the go sign and that it would be all these other things that we're seeing is a cover. So, you know, with frequency, it can imitate anything. It could imitate Ebola. It could imitate COVID. It could uh, just make sound in your ears, um, that type of thing. So what they, why they did not come forward with the details is what the professionals, the doctors, the military and government was doing was developing an assessment and diagnostic screening because they knew that once this news got out to the public, that people would start saying, oh, I have that symptom. I have that symptom. Yeah. And some would have the symptom and some would not, but they would all run, you know, to figure out if they have been hit by direct energy weapons. So they wanted this assessment and diagnostic. Um, so this these were clinical trials. They did have uh, people that were not involved. They had people that were in the house, but were not affected by the direct energy weapon. And then they also had some military folks that they used also in the studies. So what they did is come up with a comprehensive assessing and diagnostic tool that can be um, portable, it's economical, um, 
deployed to the field when this started ramping up. And so they had that as of 2018. And so now, now they were free to talk about it, although this conference was talking amongst themselves. These were doctors, military, and government people talking amongst themselves, which they always feel freer to talk. But if you've caught it, I don't know if you have, um, 60 Minutes recently did two pieces, uh, one on the adults and that have been hit by direct energy weapons, and one on children. Interesting, uh, the children were always hit in bed. And if you think that you have been hit by a direct energy weapon, what you need to do is get up, go out to your front door, open the door, and step your feet outside. Um, Then if it's a direct energy weapon, it will stop because the weapon is pretty localized. It's focused. It's a precision weapon. So um, you can, by relocating yourself, um, and it's best to go outside. I don't know why, um, but that is what the suggestion is. And how would somebody, Um, sorry, Celeste, how would somebody know or when should someone suspect they might be experiencing an attack like this? What would be the common symptoms? Okay, let me see here. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to mention I, while you're doing I, that that Celeste Solom is our guest. It's 22 minutes past six here with the Richie Allen Show. Loads of times, so let's take your time on that. Look, because I'm wondering because when I've spoken to people over the years who believe they've been attacked with, and I've been talking to people right. for over 10 years about these things, you know, listeners get in touch and they say, Richie, tinnitus might be a dead giveaway. Migraines are a thing that I wonder about, you know. People who have never had a very, very bad headache in their lives. Sudden disorientation, sudden dizziness are things that people ask about. And you being on, I don't even have to look at my website at the comment segment, but I'm sure people are putting these questions and suggestions to us uh, right about now. So yeah, what, what that, that's the question, isn't it? Why, what, what would make you think that this is not just about the villainous, that it might be something else. I, I, I wonder about that. Okay, so there's many different things. And I do, if you're interested, I would really just look. I do put screen, I did put screenshots from the actual conference so you can see what they said, the professionals in their own words. But common things are the ear pain, the tinnitus, um, maybe vertigo, dizziness, cognitive issues for sure. And then I want to go back to um, mm, I I should have my my stuff in one thing. But you can't. So, You've got so much um, stuff. You're not going to be able to do that. No, this, right. We've got. We, as so, I said, we have plenty of time. Go ahead. Okay. So, what is the objective of this weapon and this big experiment, global expe- experiment? So it is to level your functional your cognitive your and your intellectual capabilities to near zero. And here in the United States, we have someone sitting in the White House who is the poster child for their end goal for every single person on the in the United States. Now, this is the soft direct energy weapons. 
You need to know we are transitioning from the soft attack to the hard attack. And not heart attack, but hard. hard. Yeah. H-A-R-D. And what is the hard attack? The hard attack is where you basically would either go into a permanent vegetative state or you are killed outright. Um, now, if you have been hit, and I, I want to go through this list and then I want to back up for just a minute. So for some of you, if you think that you may have been hit by a direct energy weapon, it, your symptoms may be temporary. For some of you, these symptoms are going to be permanent. If if this direct energy weapon has gone into your brain, and I describe how that happens um, in graphic detail, um, some of the things in your, there's damage inside your brain and your ears that they can see or your sinuses that, you know, they can document with imaging and that type of thing. So the Havana diplomats, for instance, are not expected to return back to work or be productive citizens permanently. And some of you are going to have a few of the symptoms that come out of uh, uh, this direct energy weapon attack. Some of you are going to have many because you can either have one or five or more weapons in one. Um, so that accounts for the many different symptoms. Some of you, unfortunately, are going to have to endure all the symptoms, and that will be on a permanent basis. And lastly, some of you are going to die uh, from this type of weaponry. How will they get away with it, Celeste? This is the question. So a sceptical person listening to this who thinks that you are well-intentioned, but that this can't really be happening, they will wonder, how could they get away with that in the future? So for one, I would like to direct everybody, and I do have this um, at shepherdsheart.life, and it's called the NASA Strategic Warfare Review, and it was done by NASA, and it's circa 2025. They told us ahead of time, this document is about 20 years old, and it talks precisely about the type of technology and this hot war um, with the direct energy weapons that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, look, if you get a chance later, you, you, you might want to just jump on to richieallen.co.uk, look at the live comment. There is an abundance uh, of, of, of messages from people listening to this who this is relevant to. Uh, Wayne says that he's concerned that Again, he doesn't mean you now, but when this subject comes up on this programme, whether it's with Ramola D or, or others I've spoken to over the years, um, people that have been kind enough to come on, he says that we neglect to mention that smart meters are deadly and they emit far more radiation over a, a 24-hour day and pretty much every day than mobile phones or cell phones do. It's funny that, Celeste, because... We've seen a real push by energy companies in this country in the last few years to get people to transition away from the old, I suppose you could call it the old analogue meter with the rolling, the revolving disc, which counts your usage, to the smart meter. And Wayne says we should be far more concerned about smart meters than we are. What do you think? Um, absolutely, smart meters are a problem, but... 
I would look at smart meters now kind of like environmental pollution, uh, electronic pollution, um, you know, like the smog in our cities and all, all the other pollution that are yeah. that we're basically destroying our planet with. But it's kind of background. Um, what I'm talking about is focused energy, like a laser beam. This is a precision weapon that is could include hypersonic sound like the LRAD that we saw out of Canberra, uh, pulsed radio frequencies, pulsed laser lasers. So they actually can piggyback uh, say, uh, this weapon on top of a laser and give you both the sound damage and the um, and the and the like laser damage. Yeah, I get um, you. And it can, yeah. it really can damage your ears or your um, your brain because what it does once it goes in your ears or however it has to go through a cavity. Uh, what we haven't talked about is this is called cavitation. Um, it goes into a cavity, and what it does is it makes its way through the ear. And there are two ways it gets into the brain, one through um, the subarachnoid tissue, which is your blood, to the brain, and also your cerebrospinal fluid, which is the fluid that um, bathes your um, brain, if you will. And so these, the signal tra goes up, creates, uh, what I want you to, when it, uh, if people go, What's cavitation? Okay, so I better, you know, don't forget I'm immersed in this stuff. So I think everybody knows. <laughs> so let me back up. So I want you to imagine a, a, jo a, a bottle of 7-Up and you shake it and you open the, open the top. What happens? There's all those bubbles. What the direct energy weapon does is once it hits, you, it gets into your body, um, then it does a nucleation and something called cavitation. And that's where it goes in through the two, the blood or the spinal fluid. And then what it does is it slams in like an IED into the brain. It just, it does a trauma to the brain. It literally, all those bubbles are expanding and collapsing and they cause great uh, damage to the brain. So what are some of the things that it can cause? It can cause um, lots of mini hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging events, like lots of little blood clots in your brain. It can cause a stroke. It can cause um, hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. It can cause or seed things like Alzheimer's disease. Um, so it's it's very nefarious. And then t if that's not bad enough, um, they're not only they're really interested in your brain <clears throat> because that is the battle new battlefield. But they can also go in through the palate, through your mouth, and they can create compression sickness. And so if you think that you are experiencing a direct energy weapon attack and you have something um, symptoms of the bends or compression sickness, what you need to do is find your local, and you should probably do that now, like a decompression, um, a place where they can decompre decompress 
um, and get those bubbles out of your body. That'd be difficult enough to find, wouldn't it? I can't imagine. I mean, I'm in Salford in the northwest of the UK. I can't imagine where I'd find one of those easily. Uh, actually, because of alternative medicine, uh, they are around. Right. So I would look for an alternative medicine practitioner, like a naturopath or something like that, or just do a search. Um, I found out that there was one three hours from me, which is a long ways, it's but long at least way. I know yeah. where it's located. Celeste Solom is our guest. This is um, it's funny, This talking about this for some years, uh, speaking with people like Chris Busby, with, 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 uh, with Barry Troer, with Ramola, with your with yourself, and I always open minded way back when, but I was still skeptical. You know, I, I you have a job to do, and the reason we exist is because you have to be heard. People need to hear this. But I would go away, Celeste, and I I used to be kind of agnostic then, so I would think, right, yeah, smart presentation. This this technology is probably real, but I wonder, are the capabilities at the moment, are they sufficient to do serious damage to 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 large populations? And I would be a little bit sceptical about that. Not anymore. I remember back, you mentioned 2016 Havana Syndrome being really important. Well, would you believe it? 2016 just happened to be the year, I think, when I was watching an episode of Better Call Saul, the spin-off to Breaking Bad. And they introduced directed energy weapons as a subplot in the series. But by way of ridiculing the idea, uh, the hero of the TV show, his brother was a very experienced lawyer called Chuck. But Chuck was convinced that he was being, you know, he was being targeted by not only directed energy weapons, but also that he had electromagnetic sensitivity. And they were doing it to kind of ridicule the idea. And I wondered why, because... I've been in the independent media a long time and I know that when something like this comes out of the blue, it's because somebody wants you to think that an idea is ridiculous. You know, somebody wanted us to think that the idea that electromagnetic weapons were real is actually ridiculous. And I thought, wow, wow. And that happened at that time. It got me looking into it a lot more uh, since then. And I believe you are right. The capability is there. They've used it. I believe they want to use it increasingly more and more and is it multifaceted Celeste is it is it about harming people in the way you you talked about bringing people down to zero where their yeah. intellectual capacity comes down to zero uh, they become more programmable they become more submissive um, so, so obviously it's also about putting ideas into their minds and increasingly yes. we're seeing people do bizarre things like I wonder when somebody with no prior history of violence, no prior history of mental illness, suddenly takes a gun or a knife into a crowd of people. I wonder, can some of this be explained away by the technology that you've been talking about this afternoon? Absolutely. And I I do have some good news that I think is really critical to share for the listeners. And one of those is during this assessment and diagnostic that the, the, the professionals were working on, they did have several groups of people um, that they needed to distinguish and be able to classify. One are your people that are targeted individuals. Two 
you have to distinguish those people or the trauma to the brain uh, from somebody that, let's say, was in a war and got near an IED and had a traumatic brain injury or something like a violent car accident. And then you have to um, differentiate the worried well that have a few symptoms, but they're really not associated with either. They might be associated with the EMF. They may be very well environmentally, electronically sensitive, but they're not really, it's not doing any damage to their brain. It might, they may have symptoms to their body, but not to the brain. And then the last case is the direct energy weapons. And they now have this diagnostic screening that can say, okay, you are a targeted individual. You got, you know, we're an IED or a, or a accident. You are, uh, yes, you have real symptoms, um, but they are not related. And then the last one is that you are a victim of the direct energy weapons. And they are very much, as of this conference, saying that this is real, that the damage is real, the things that the, the symptoms that the people have to live with are real. But I would really caution um, anybody that wants to go into the system, the medical system. We just saw how that worked out with the you know what. Um, So um, you are putting yourself in dangerous hands. Why would I say that? Because at this um, conference, they did not mention any of the therapeutic tools or diagnostic. I mean, they told us the diagnostic uh, how they would do, you know, differentiate you, differentiate you, put you in a classification, but they did not say how they were going to treat you. So, you know, are they going to treat you with some experimental drug, uh, radiation, um, who knows what, uh, frequency itself, compounding frequency? Uh, we really don't know uh, what their treatment is. They were silent on that. So, if you do go in, you you need to know you are going to be a human guinea pig. Uh, sometimes you might need to just uh, uh, find a natural sources like, um, I'll be honest, Richie, totally transparent. So on September 30th, I was hit. And after writing uh, and exposing the first details that came out about this, um, and I am taking natural things. Um, to get me back, back, you know, on par. Um, there are things that you can do for your brain um, uh, that are supplements. And it's amazing that our bodies respond. This one supplement, I can't, I'm not a doctor, so I can't officially say it. But I'll say that there's a supplement out there that's very inexpensive that will regrow brain cells. It doesn't matter how you damage them. It could be a direct energy weapon, it could be drugs, it could be a car accident, it, it doesn't matter what you uh, could be Alzheimer's, and you take this um, supplement, and it regrows your brain cells, it's called neuroplasticity, it's amazing. So there are some amazing uh, things that you can do on your own without going into the system that just kicked us around for two years. My question about the <coughs> neuroplasticity, plasticity is obvious you'll expect it and not being childish or churlish but I suppose 
Look, none of this stuff is is peer reviewed. It, it, it isn't, and I understand why. You know, there 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 are barriers, of course, very serious barriers to natural treatments and natural medicines. But the regrowing the brain cells, it's anecdotal evidence, is it? But you trust it. You trust that anecdotal evidence. Um, actually, there are peer-reviewed studies. Um, there's a website that I use all the time, and it's called Green Med Info. And you might well, I've heard say, of so yeah, say or G. Um, so you might go there and type in, you know, I I may have had, what do I, natural do I do for brain injury? Right. And then it'll give you a list of supplements. And those are all peer review studies. They He does not put anything. I mean, in his blog, he puts his own, you know, he yeah, yeah. does what we all do on our blog. But uh, when he actually puts the studies, he actually puts the peer review studies up. I meant, I meant to mention earlier on, I... Covering the COVID thing for two years, it's been some mind rush. I nearly said a bad word there. It's been, it's been, it's been crazy, and I don't know what to make of the virus. I think maybe, you know, my listeners will be bored now. They'll they'll yawn. I might have had I had a serious illness in January 2020. I got over it, but I was in a bad way. And I've interviewed some lovely people on this program, uh, dependable. Honest people like yourself, like I know when I speak with you that whatever is right or is wrong, um, what you tell me is what you believe to be true based on the knowledge you've seen and the research. That's good enough for me. That's the way it should be. Um, the independent media is supposed to present every side of the argument. So people come on at me and they say, Richie, I'm convinced that the United States government, the, the deep state, the the intelligence agencies, they released some sort of virus in China, in Wuhan. I get various versions of this. And I'm open-minded, so I think, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. And I'm wondering if both or three or four possibilities are actually maybe true and they can all work together. Like maybe a virus was released, but not a very virulent one, not a very, very dangerous one. Uh, maybe only dangerous to people with comorbidities or very, very senior people. But, but, if you factor in the directed energy weapon capabilities, that then you've got something that is more dangerous to a wider group of people. And I wonder what, which of those scenarios do you think is more likely to be true, Celeste, if I made any sense there? You did make sense. So, I'm just going to once again share uh, just in a very nutshell. So I was broadcasting to a European audience, uh, mostly UK, and um, I was an hour and 45 minutes. I started getting a headache, really bad headache. And then I saw, I could see it. Um, And in in this conference, it talks about people being able to see or hear sound with a direct energy weapon. I saw them painting my lungs. You've got to know that morning, I felt great. I felt like a million bucks. I had loads of energy. I was on my game, racing around, you know, getting ready uh, to be on air for a couple hours. And, you know, usually we um, we visit afterwards. I said, no, I got to go. I climbed up the stairs. I was getting the chills. I climbed into bed uh, with my clothes on and just put the covers over and and 
an hour later, I woke up with 102 fever and I had the symptoms of COVID. I wonder if it isn't a frequency weapon. And if you remember back when it was released um, or whatever, however it got out. However it got out. uh, However it got out. They were experimenting in Wuhan or turning on the 5G in Wuhan. And that is true. We mustn't forget that. That is absolutely true. And a lot of my listeners absolutely agree with you. I know they do. And I'm not patronising my listeners. They're very learned and they write very well. They're very eloquent when they write. And they do pay attention. And they agree with you. They think it's more than likely, you know, maybe exclusively a frequency. Now, I don't agree, nor do I disagree with you. I have great respect uh, for you. I still don't know. And and I, I leave a bit of room for the possibility that there might have been some pathogen to go along with, you know, the directed energy weapons and, and 5G and all of that. So I don't know. But you might very well be right, you know, and, and, and you may very well be proven to be right. And you make a compelling argument, as you did on previous programs. I wish I could remember exactly what happened back in January 2020. You're obviously, you've got, um, what do we say? What's that great American uh, expression? You've got a dog in the fight because this is your area of research for years. So you remember. I just remember becoming very ill very quickly and my doctor being stunned at the fact that I didn't have any mucus on my chest or lungs, but that my breathing was so difficult as to be, you know, life-threatening. It was very bad at that time. It lasted for about five days, and then I began to recover. I lost an awful lot of weight. Look, I'm open-minded. Of course, I'm. you wouldn't be here if I wasn't open-minded. You're obviously a very bright lady and very well-read and researched. So I'm open to the idea that it might just be frequency. But we're back to this. No, it's, it's not just frequency. So later on, right. um, in the fifth module, if you want to skip to the fifth module, you guys, um, what there was a think tank person. And he spoke for a while. And what he said is that everything is networked now. So we can no longer look at pathogens as just pathogens. We can't look at nano as just nano. We can't look at IT as just internet technology. We can't look at the quantum level as just the quantum. They are all linked at this point. And so you are absolutely correct when you say that there was a pathogen, there was frequency, there was nanoparticles involved. There was quantum at the quantum right, level. Right. What this is is a multi-dimensional um, precision weapon attack against humanity and actually a- animals and plants as well. But you are absolutely correct. They are all linked at this one uh, at this time. Uh, to think of, okay, I just have a cold or a pathogen is called I'm siloing. Right. You absolutely have to, con- we're in an interconnective, um, integrated uh, society right now. And we have to be realistic with where the technology is at. And it's all integrated. It's all and integrated. Else, yeah. Years absolutely. ago, when I first started doing programs like this years ago, I very quickly came across people who talked about geoengineering and chemtrail spraying. And this was all very new to me in the late noughties. So you're talking, you know, 2008, to, I started reading about this. I'd taken a break from mainstream media. Then I got back into mainstream media 
in 2010. But I was determined, 2009, but I was determined that I was going to be, you know, I was going to open my audience up to all of these things as I was learning about them. And it was fascinating. So I, I met people who talked about chemtrail spraying and stuff. And of course, a lot of my mainstream listeners were complaining, oh, this is crazy stuff, Richie, you're mad. But they enjoyed it. Like, it was good. You know, it was, it was interesting. And for some people, it was entertaining. I know now it's very serious. And I wonder, when we talked years ago on my old shows about barium, strontium, and I'm going to say aluminium, even though I'm speaking to you, Celeste, it's not aluminium. You crazy yanks. It's aluminium. Now, when we said that we should be worried about heavy metals, aluminium, aluminium, barium and strontium, maybe back then we didn't know. Maybe it was nanotech stuff we were ingesting when we would see a lot of spraying over our skies and then later on the asthmatics would cl- would complain about being breathless and needing to use their their inhalers or ventilators more or whatever. I wonder... You know, maybe we'll never find out, but where, was it smart dust even then, going back even to, you know, the, the 1980s, the 1990s, that, that yes. was coming from the skies? You think so? Absolutely. And you can see it in that NASA strategic warfare. It talks about the smart dust and how it, it bores into your lung, gets in, it's in the air, um, and it's everywhere. And it bores into your lungs for different pathological missions. So for you, Richie, it might be ordered to do one thing, and it order there are the nano little bots in me are ordered to do something right, else. Right. You know, every time I listen to this, every time I discuss this or I hear of this, I'm this is in no way now to depress you at all. You're in a race against time to convince people that these absolutely evil, some would say Luciferian things are happening and are underway. And it's a race and as eloquent as you are and as presentable as you are, it's difficult. I know tomorrow I'll be out with my my dogs and I will meet people who know of me and what I do and they will say, I tell you what, Richie, that was hilarious last night, that stuff. <laughs> you know, and, and I believe you that this is genuine and going on. And it's, do you feel that way sometimes? It's a race against time to, 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 to show people. These are the agendas and you need to know about them. So there's um, <clears throat> a slide in that NASA presentation that I'm going to read to you. Uh, because it was put on the last page. And I put it in this presentation and then at the end of my presentation. Usual reactions to this presentation. It is in the too hard box. It is not being done yet by anyone. Therefore, it will not be done. Now, mind you, this is 20 years ago. Uh, They would not do that. We have to hope and hope is capitalized that they would not do that. Why go there? We can't even defend against it. And some disbelief, but agreement that there is just too much to disregard. And at the bottom of that, I did put the hyperlink there. So if any of the listeners want to go and see, what I would like to tell them is this is a very interesting document. So it's 113 pages. If you get less than that, you've got the sanitized version. But 
as different things become operational, the slides in this, some of the slides change. So when COVID hit, there were some new slides in this in this presentation of 113 slides. And mind you, I've been going to this for 20 years to this document, and I've watched this happen. And so when I was preparing for this um, webinar series, I went to this because they were talking about the technology 20 years ahead. So I went to it and lo and behold, because it's operational, they had new slides in there and I go, I can't believe it, you know? So you, I would book, if you, if you get it, you know, if you click on it, I would save it, I would bookmark it. And then if something new comes on the scene, that seems like the whole world is involved, uh, go to this document and see what slides have changed. Um, and you will be amazed that it's the new operation um, that is happening. That's happening right now. It's flown by, hasn't it? It's absolutely flown by. Uh, Celeste Solom has been our guest uh, this hour. Folks, go to shepherdsheart.life, shepherdsheart.life. Celeste is also on YouTube, but she mentioned, didn't she, um, some some minutes ago, She's on Rumble these days as well. Look for Celeste. That's with an E, by the way. C-E-L-E-S-T-E-S-O-L-U-M. All one word. Celeste Solom, you'll find her on, on Rumble. Fascinating. It's fiendish, really, what's happening and what, what's planned. But it must be discussed. And if the independent media is not for this, then what, what is it for? Celeste, welcome back anytime. Thanks for staying in touch with me and keeping us updated on um, on this and uh, I look forward to talking with you again I will keep you posted Thanks very much Celeste Celeste Solemn folks live on Monday's Richie Allen radio show The time is coming up for uh, five and a half minutes to the top of the hour In fact we're just about out of time um, I don't even think there's time is there to read many of your messages but there, there, there's been legion or they've, there has been legions of them. It's I always come back to that at the end. You know, I've been doing this type of show for a long time now. And um, it's one of these topics that is, when I bump into people who know of the show, which isn't a regular thing, it has to be admitted, really. But this is one of the things that people refuse to count, you know, to, to, to consider. And, you know, it's one of them wave the hands and laugh Say, nah, Richie, come on. You're in the, the, the deepest realms now of science fiction and fantasy. This couldn't possibly be going on, you know. Um, even though they should know, because they probably would have learned in high school, that the Nazis, and not just the Nazis, but others, have been experimenting with these ideas for, for generations, even before the Nazis, experimenting with the technology, how to use frequencies to manipulate people, at the very least to manipulate them, to change the way they think, to change their mood, to alter their mood, um, and, and yes, to injure them. It's been around a long, long, long time. I, I recommend, obviously, if you've heard Celeste, you've heard Ramola D on this programme, Chris Busby, an absolute legend, I must get Chris back on. You, you know, Barry Troer was, was working on this stuff for the Navy way back when. You have the Havana Syndrome information now that's made its way into the mainstream. I think people should, you know, be, be more open to it, but, but they're not, you know. It's James Bond villain stuff, that's what it is. People think 
No. Blofeld, maybe. You know, Max Zorin, maybe. But why would our government, she said it herself, NASA have allowed for this. You know, they've allowed for it. They've thought about it. And, and, and they've, they've concluded that, well, people won't believe it. And she listed the reasons why they won't. It's not that they won't believe it. You don't want to, you don't want to insist that people believe stuff. It's not your job to tell people what they must believe. But you'd, you'd rather or you'd, you'd hope that they'd at least consider it. But people don't. And that's just the way it is, isn't it? We're done today, by the way. Thanks uh, for listening today, Monday's programme. Back with you tomorrow at five o'clock. By the way, thanks to Bridget, who sent me a lovely message saying that she listened to the repeat of the Sunday morning melodies. And she was listening with interest about me talking about a future wedding and how it might look. Bridget, thanks so much for the lovely offer. It looks absolutely lovely. Thank you uh, very much. I really appreciate it. I don't know what to say to it, really. Bridget has a, a, a lovely spot somewhere in the countryside, near a river and near the sea, uh, near a farm, or, or it is a farm. Thanks, Bridget. Very kind of you there. I really appreciate that. We're done today. Back tomorrow. Uh, among the guests tomorrow, Stacey Rudin. Looking forward to catching up with Stacey. Again, I'm closing out with this. From the boss. It's called Tucson Train. It's one of my favourite songs of recent years. It's very Glen Campbell-esque. Glen Campbell-esque. <laughs> You take care of yourselves and one another. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Until tomorrow. Bye now.